Hello, and welcome to the First Prez OC Podcast. Uh, today, we have a special Valentine's Day message. Uh, take a break from our origin series, and we focused in on Valentine's Day, talking about love, relationships, marriage, biblical wisdom in those things, um, relationships between believers and non-believers, and what God says about biblical marriage and marriage that involves people that are not believers as well. So lots of ground to cover, longer message today, um, some fun worship, a good amount of time that we had. So hope you guys can all enjoy. Father God, um, I just thank you for today. Thank you for tonight. Um, I pray that you would just uh, move in this place, help us just to um, focus on you, allow ourselves to um, enter into your presence um, as we sing these songs to you um, and just be receptive to your Holy Spirit as you speak and you move. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, we would just lay all that we have down at your feet and that we would um, have softened hearts um, that are humble and willing to listen to um, the truth that you have for us tonight uh, as we talk about love, relationships, and what that really means in your eyes. In your mind, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Sorry. <laughs> 
just thank you. Um, God, we thank you that we can cry out to you um, and just sing hallelujah to your holy name. Lord, you are worthy and deserving of it all. And um, God, I pray that you would just um, work in our hearts, uh, change our perspective, Lord, to humble us. And Lord, let us just be um, understanding of what love is, what marriages and what relationships are and, and how to love those around us whether we're in a relationship or not or just our friends and family um, God we just thank you we ask you to just fill this place move in our hearts and convict us and encourage us <laughs> as you see fit Holy Spirit in your mighty name we pray Jesus Amen, Amen. Side note, out of the three kinds of uh, Sour Patch straws, like red, green, oh or blue. Like no candy. Red or Where blue. Is this red or blue? It's green. All right, let's get a red. Anybody red? Red? Green? Blue? Actually, there you go. Blue raspberries built different, exactly. son. It sucks. It's built different, It's also worse for you than every other flavor of Jolly Ranchers. All right. All right. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. All right. Thanks, guys. So you're all wrong. Um, you know, everybody's wrong and no one's right. Uh, all right. Okay. Cool, guys. So, um, obviously, we're talking about love today. If you guys hadn't picked up on the very obvious uh, heart-shaped uh, coil and the thing that says love in the middle of it. Um, those are words, and it does spell out that word. So, those are all letters, sorry. Those are letters that make up that word, yes. All right, so um, what we're going to kind of talk a little bit about today is kind of what love is, uh, where it comes from, why it matters, and honestly, um, romantic relationships, including marriage and all that jazz, and kind of what that means all for us as Christians, okay? Um, so if you guys are taking notes, not all of these guys are written fully out for you. Um, so some of these things you might want to write down on your own, but you guys can just take notes as you feel led. All right. So that being said, um, I'm going to answer the question, what is love? What is love for you guys? Um, and really, love is both an emotion and a feeling as well as a choice and a conscious action. All right. So love is not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling but it is a choice and it is a conscious action to continue on it. For perfect example, when someone really is being, like someone you care about and you're really like, like let's say one of your friends, they're just being a jerk to you one day, you don't stop loving them just because they're not being nice. Because if it was just an emotion and a feeling, then you wouldn't actually love them then. You'd be like, okay, dude, I hate that guy. But whenever we love someone or something, we continue to care for and show favor to those things, even if it's not necessarily beneficial for us or easy for us, right? It's a choice to continue on and care for something. So where does love come from? Well, very simply put, love comes from God because he himself is God. Like it talks about, what's the verse? You wrote it down. So what's the verse? First John 4, 16. There you go. First John 4, 16. It's not on the slides, but First um, John 4, 16 does tell us that God is himself love. He, he not only embodies perfect love, but love comes from his very nature. It is who he is and everything God does comes out of that loving nature that is in himself. All right. So 
why do we love and who can who love who like who can love really um well thankfully we all love every single person that walks the face of the earth loves in some capacity right um and not only that everyone loves because god first loved us as well we were created in the in the image of god so when it talks about you guys ever heard that raise your hands or heard that verse like you've been made in the image of god Anybody heard that number? Maybe, maybe most people, maybe. So Henry's a little questionable about it. But um, some of you guys may have heard it. Some of you guys may have not. But essentially when it talks about you were made in the image of God, it's not necessarily saying that each of us look like God, that we can say God looks exactly like me or you or any other person you can see physically. But when we're talking about the image of God, it makes, talks about the character, God's very nature, his, his tendencies, his emotions and feelings. We were made with the nature of of God, meaning we also have God's propensity to love. Everybody say propensity. Propensity. There you go. It's a little bit of a fancy word, but essentially it's his natural inclination, our, our natural flow of what we do have a propensity to love. And we also have a propensity to want to receive love as well. So it's a natural thing that we have. So all people experience love on some kind of level. Whether we're saved or not, everyone is loved by God and also experiences love in some way and shows love in some way and that's, that's also kind of the reason why people can love and that's why we have love in the world is because it comes from God and everybody has that little bit of love in them whether they know Christ or they don't know Christ everyone has that in them to a degree all right and the the varying degrees of how much of that love that we get from God is in a person also determines like a little bit how close you are to God and we'll get a little bit of that later but um, then this goes into this last little bit is how do we love? Everybody say how. 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 There she go, Indian chief. All right. Um, so, if you guys, have anybody ever heard of the like five love languages? Just raise your hand if you have. If you haven't, that's okay. But there's five main love languages. All right. So, all right. The first one um, is acts of service. All right. So acts of service it means doing things for people. So I'm telling you, your parents probably love when you do things for them or your guardians or whoever. They love when you help out to do stuff, right? They're like, man, that's awesome. I really appreciate when they do that. My mom is a total acts of service person. The way that she feels love is whenever I would actually take care of doing the dishes or do my laundry or vacuum without it being asked. Like, it's like a huge deal for my mom. And how she feels loved is acts of service. So doing things for her that she doesn't have to do for herself she loves that, and that's how she feels loved, all right? So um, words of affirmation, all right? These are words that people speak to you that can be either directly loving, they could be encouraging, they could be um, affirming of who you are, not only in your relationship with God, but just your relationship and how you interact in the world, your gifts, talents, and abilities, all right? Um, so there's uh, acts of service, words of affirmation. There's touch, obviously, you know, hugs, you know, holding hands and, you know, someone squeezing your shoulders or something. I don't know, whatever that is. Um, but there's, you know, the, the touch is a, a very normal and natural one that almost everyone feels, all right? Um, not a lot of, actually, there are multiple people that I know that are really not touchy-feely people at all. They don't like <laughs> oh, being touched, all right? But um, some people, that's kind of their main way they show affection. Um, another is quality time. Um, so if you guys don't know that one is, quality time is basically just hanging out with somebody. Doesn't mean you have to do anything with them. Doesn't even mean you even have to be interacting with them directly. You could be sitting at a, on a park bench, both reading a book, 
and you're just spending time. You could be on a hike together, not even having a conversation, but you're hanging out with that person. You're spending quality time with them, being around somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be talking all the time. It doesn't mean you have to actually do anything for them. It doesn't even mean you have to be doing the same thing. You could one, you could be building a puzzle, and someone could be, you know, watching some TV. You're just in the same general vicinity, but you're hanging out in the general area with them to be able to be with them. It's an intentional quality time being spent, all right? And then lastly, we also have gifts. Everybody say gifts. Gifts. Yes. All right, so uh, I have a funny story about gifts. Um, whenever I was working at a, a camp called Gloria de Camps in New Mexico, um, they talked about the five love, love languages, and especially as a camp counselor, they are very concerned about, hey, don't show, like, affection in any physical way if you can help it, all right? So everything was a side hug, a high five, a... Anything. So no frontal hugs, no anything beyond that at all. Because it was always they're like, hey, just don't do that. So we always emphasize these other gifts all, or all these other ways that you show love. And the main thing we always used to do is we'd have these bag of chips that we'd walk over, like a huge bag of like small, you know, packages of chips. Uh-huh. And so what we would do is when we were walking around, we'd get it and see somebody and we'd throw it at them and say, Gifts! And just like, I'm showing them love in some way. So we just pelt each other in the face with a bunch of bags of chips. So it's like, if I just got one in, gifts! Um, that's Amanda's. That's Amanda's boom roasted. All right. That's nobody's but Amanda's. But anyways, yeah. So that's, we would just toss stuff at each other for no reason, just because we could. But, um, and also, it was that and words of IF. Words of IF! We'd always just do that all the time. But, um, words of what? Words of af, affirmation. Right? affirmation. There you go. Yeah. But anyways, all right. So. But, so those are all ways to show love, right? Those are the five main ways that we actually show love. And, and it, or not only that we show, but we also receive, right? So, so when someone's trying to show you love and affection in your life, how you best receive that is usually in one of these five ways, right? Where someone's like, hey, giving you a hug. You're like, man, I'm so glad, you know, I, I really appreciate a hug right now. Or someone's like, hey, you know what? I got this for you. And you're like, you know what? That's awesome. I appreciate them, you know, thinking about this pair of shoes that I have or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, but usually when you think of love as itself, right? When you think of the idea, when someone brings up love to you, hey, what is love? What's love about? Usually people automatically think of relationships, right? Or some kind of romantic thing or even marriage itself, right? Typically love and some kind of thing usually involves romance, right? Um, and we're going to get into all that today um, and actually see what the Bible says. So, but the only real recognition of any kind of romantic relationships that we see in the Bible, the only thing that we see in the Bible that is even close to a romantic, romantic relationship that the Bible talks about is either marriage and non-marriage. That's how the Bible looks at it. There is no dating or, hey, we're kind of feeling each other out. It is you're either married or you're not. <laughs> so, because dating was not a thing. Dating is a, a very modern idea that has started kind of throughout the years. And you guys have to understand as well that, granted, dating doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's not necessarily that dating is bad just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not a good thing. Dating can be a good thing, and dating is a normal, healthy part of society. So, just clearing that up. But when you're looking towards the Bible for guidance about dating and marriage and being single, all those things, we have to recognize that the Bible only addresses two camps. You're either married or you're not married, all right? And there's either you're 
being pure in a marriage relationship or you're either being pure outside of it or impure outside of it, all right? And granted, you can be impure in both of them. That's a whole other thing. But um, dating is a modern-day thing. Um, and so when we think about that, that means when we are thinking about dating itself, we have to apply biblical principles. We have to understand what God's wisdom is for us and apply that to dating. If you're thinking about having a relationship with anybody, we have to apply biblical principles to dating. If you want to start that, which I hope none of you guys ever do, <laughs> just because for a lot of reasons, um, but really we have to think about biblical parameters for our dating relationships if you guys are ever wanting to do that, all right? Because you're not married, um, and really with a lot of the Bible talks about marriage, and really the only thing, well, there's a lot the Bible talks about marriage. Um, and actually there's an entire book in the Bible called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. That's literally an entire book about a husband and wife writing to each other. They're like kind of their pre-wedding, you know, little love letters to each other. And then it goes into even the struggles and the hardships of that. And also just the, the, the beauty and the, the struggles and the, and the amazing, hard, awesome nature of a marriage and that like that book kind of goes through all of that and so it's a really heavy thing because marriage is a big deal but outside of marriage it's pretty much like hey you're you're single right <laughs> so it's kind of interesting but getting back to this the biggest thing that we have to remember before we even focus about relationships romantic and, and dating and marriage and all that jazz before all of that we have to remember that our love for god should steer us in all things our love for God should steer us in all things. That is point number one, by the way. So whenever that gets up on the screen, if you guys want to take a note on that, if you click it directly, it should be good. There you go. Our love for God should steer us in all things. All right? So I'll let you guys kind of write that down before I move on. Our love for God should steer us in all things. It's like the sixth time I said it. So if you haven't gotten it by now, it's on you. All right. So anyways. So Colossians 3.17 reminds us, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All right? I heard this, right? Hmm? I definitely heard this. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to give you guys two more seconds. Colossians 3.17. All right, and then 1 Corinthians 10.31 also says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So as Christians, our priority and our love in our life should be towards God, right? And our love for God should be the biggest factor in what we do. From the music we listen to, to um, the relationships that we have, to the way that we speak, the way we think, the way that we treat other people, the way that we go about our lives should revolve and be centered around our love for God, right? So if we're not thinking about what does God say about this, then we're probably going to be doing it on our own, which usually leads to bad stuff, right? Our love for God should be the thing that permeates our lives in all areas, all right? Not just one, not just some, not just half your life. Not just the things you want God to be a part of, but in all areas. Now, I will say, as you mature in your guys' faith, as you guys start growing closer to God and you're 
understanding more of who he is, and you're understanding what God has done for you on an even deeper level. The more you draw closer to him, the more he's going to start permeating and affecting different things in your life. And perfect example of this. Um, you guys know the show The Office? Anybody, anybody yeah. heard of it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I am a huge fan of the show The Office, all right? Um, for a lot of reasons. But the thing is, if you guys know anything about The Office, there are some pl- there are plenty of inappropriate things in that show. There's a lot of inappropriate things in that show, right? And unfortunately for me, and fortunately really is how I should put it, is as I've matured in my faith, because I grew up watching a show when it was on TV, by the way. So this is not like, a, oh, I found it on Netflix. Oh. Like, I literally watched the finale on TV and cried. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and my mom was like, hey, what the heck's wrong with you? And I, but I just love the show, right? But huge show of the fans since I grew up. But as I've grown up, I've also gotten closer to God. And as I got closer to God, he really did convict my heart a lot more about like even specific episodes and specific things in the show that I used to find funny, that I used to be okay watching. But now as I've grown farther in my relationship with God, as I grew deeper and closer to Him, there's episodes that I, I just won't watch now. Because they, for one, they just make me feel gross and dirty. When I watch it, it just makes, I just, it's just the things in it just gross me out. And I know it sounds weird, but it's like this, like, it just feels wrong when I'm watching certain things in that show. And there's even jokes in the show that I used to laugh at a lot. But now I just, when I hear it, I'm like, I, I cringe, but not in a funny way. I cringe in a, oh, man. And, like, disappointed way? Yeah, yeah it's, it's something that, like, man, I wish they wouldn't say that. It's, it's certain things that, that, that weigh on my heart because the Lord has really changed my heart and helped me mature past finding those things funny or entertaining that. Because... He's changed me as I grew closer to him. And as we go closer to God in our relationship with him, he's not only going to do that with the shows that we watch, but also the way that we speak, the way that we entertain ourselves, the things that we're thinking about, and also the relationships that we have. So our love for God should steer us in all things. And it's important to remember that when our love for God isn't driving our decisions, when that isn't the main thing that we're going to first, that usually we're going to be going to our own desires, our own thoughts, our own way of thinking. And I'll tell you guys, when we start going off away from what God, like we kind of do our own thing away from God, and we think, oh, I got this. Hey, this will work out. Like, I didn't really think, what does God think about that? I don't know. I'm just going to kind of figure it out and go for it. Usually that leads to us giving into selfish, sinful desires, right? And when we start giving into our desires and going into our comforts, right? We're not using a a biblical filter to live out our life and make our decisions. We're going to start taking steps farther and farther away from where God wants us to be. And you might not even feel like you're going off on a trail, but as you progress down that road, one decision leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And then you're going to stop and then you're going to look around and you're going to realize, I don't know how I got here. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know where this came from. I don't know why I'm living this way or what decisions even got me here. When did this start? But it's important that we recognize that the way we avoid that path in life, because usually when we start going down that negative road, when we're following our friends or we're just kind of doing things in our own wisdom and our own strength, not going to God, it eventually leads us to a rough place. And it might even be years down the road. Everything might be going great for you right now. 
but eventually sin does catch up to us. And your life may be, you might have all the money in the world, the biggest house, you might have a, a family and everything else that you've started and done on your own. And you're like, oh man, like, yeah, you know, that Bible stuff really didn't, didn't matter all that much to me. But then one day you're going to find yourself feeling empty. And you're going to realize that you're missing something. That, that thing that you didn't really think was that important, but the commands that God gave us, there's a reason behind it. And it's, it's fulfillment in Him. It's lasting satisfaction in God. And it all comes from making our decisions through the filter of God's love and our love for Him. Because one step leads to the other, leads to the other. And we have to remember that we can't sacrifice Christ for our comforts. We can't sacrifice Christ for our comforts. What I mean by that is if we give up Christ in a situation, if we say, instead of living how God wants me to live, or instead of asking what God wants me to do in this, I just kind of go with the most comfortable for me. What, what does my heart tell me? What does my desires tell me to do? What, is, what seems to make me the happiest? If we go down that road as opposed to asking what does God actually want me to do, it usually leads us <clears throat> to a pretty bad place. And after long enough, we won't be living a life for Him in any area of our life. So, love comes from God, and since we have that imprinted nature of God and His love in us, we love to love, right? I mean, who doesn't love being loved? Anybody just not want love in their life? Yeah, I don't know. I like being loved and appreciated, whether it's for my family or for my wife or my friends. Like being loved on by other people and loving other people makes us feel good, right? It's a, it's a natural good thing for us to do because that's God's nature. God loves to love. He loves to love us. And he loves us more than we can ever imagine. And he does anything he can to show us his love and give us things out of his love, right? So the unfortunate thing is we naturally want to love, but because we're sinful, usually when we try and love without God, it usually gets really messy. When you try and love other people and we live out love in a way that is what we want it to be and not necessarily what God wants it to be, it usually gets messy. And that's exactly why we need to remind ourselves of our relationship with God in all things so that way all, everything flows out of that relationship, right? So God's word actually tells us some pretty interesting things when it comes to dating, specifically marriage itself, right? So everyone, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and it's going to actually go into the beginning of chapter 7. <clears throat> All right. So it says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. When I say yoked, it's like this thing where you put over your shoulders and you're pulling weight, all right? So do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out of them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfect, or perfecting holiness out of reverence 
for God. All right. Excuse me, I got some pizza. Um, I know. So it says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. All right? So it might be a little bit harsh. You might be like, what the heck, Gabe? Like, that person's really cute. They don't go to church. What the heck? Um, but it's pretty clear cut right here. Now, I also want to sit on this because we're talking about dating and marriage, right? We're going over those things. But dating and marriage are two very different things. They are similar in a lot of ways, but they are two distinctly different things that we cannot mesh to put together or confuse and let them overlap with each other unnecessarily, all right? So dating, yes, you can hang out. You can show affection for one another. You can spend quality time and give each other gifts. You can tell, tell each other how much you mean to each other. All this other cheesy crap, all right? <laughs> you can get to know the other person, but it is not a marriage because there is nothing tying you together but your own desires and your own, your own emotions and your own preferences. Because in a dating relationship, you can leave whenever you want. You can say, you know, I'm not really feeling it. Even if you're dating somebody for a long time, you can still get out of it anytime you want. It might not be the easiest, but you can just, there's nothing besides your own desire to stay. You can, we can just leave whenever you want. Dating, while yes, is a commitment, it is a commitment based on your own desires and feelings and nothing more. It can feel very personal and deep, but it is not the same as marriage. Marriage, while it has all of those other elements of dating, including your own personal commitment, it also has spiritual significance, right? Everybody say spiritual significance. Spiritual significance. There you go. You guys got it. A marriage represents a union between Christ and the church, all right? It is a, a representation, an earthly representation of a heavenly institution. So the Bible talks about Jesus being the, the groom. And the church, we as God's people, are the bridegroom. We are married to Christ spiritually. He is leading us in our life here on earth and also leading us into heaven. He is the leader and forgiver of us and the Lord over our lives, right? And so a, a earthly marriage between a man and a woman is a physical earthly representation of that spiritual connection we have with Jesus. And whenever we're getting married, there's a spiritual significance to that because it's not just you and your desires and your preferences, but it is a spiritual commitment to God to represent that union that we also have with him as the church. And guess what? <laughs> Not only is it your own desires and your own want to be with that person, but it is your commitment to Christ that keeps people together because the when you're married you don't get you don't just get to walk away from it. You don't just say, "Hey, I'm not feeling it today, sorry." As a Christian, we are commanded not to just up and leave because we have a commitment not to just that person, but to God himself. To remain in that, to represent our relationship with Jesus. Now, I will tell you, marriage today is also tied up with the legal system. And you can say, oh yeah, well I'm married because the state or the federal government, they say I'm married. And you're like, well, as a Christian, that paper is just a paper. Because that paper doesn't have spiritual significance. So there's plenty of non-Christians that do get married all the time, right? There's nothing that... We as Christians can say, hey man, like you guys can't get married because you're not a Christian. That's, that's not up for us to decide. 
there's an earthly component to marriage that has been established now. But that is not what makes a marriage. In a, in a Christian's eyes, you can get married out in the middle of a forest with, between you guys and God. And between two consenting Christians, that's more of a marriage than any paper will ever tell you. Now, I'm not saying that you should just live that way and you should do that. You probably should get formally married because it's a pretty good thing. <laughs> but there's plenty of non-believers that are in marriage together that, that, that this stuff doesn't apply to. But if you call yourself a Christian, when we, when we as believers understand that God has established marriage himself, between Adam and Eve, the very first beginning of creation, he formed the first wedding between man and wife. God established marriage, not man. So it's not a man-made institution. It's not just some government thing that we've decided. It is an institution that God has ordained. As a believer, that's what we're following, not the bylaws of our state, right? Um, now, I want to say this out loud for all of you guys because I also made this mistake. And I want you guys to hear this from me and hear this very clearly. Um, just because you're dating somebody for a long time does not mean and it does not equate, um, is not equal to a marriage, right? Now, when I was in high school, um, I had a relationship with a girl and we dated for over a year. So if you guys, I mean... You high schoolers might have a better understanding of this, but high schoolers dating for longer than a year is like the most unheard of thing ever. That's like yeah. someone's. Uh, it's like someone splitting the atom, right? It's just it's freaking crazy. Like it doesn't happen. It does not happen. It, it's super super rare. Now listen. So, me and this girl were together for a very very long time. I'm not going to tell you her name because if it's being recorded, so I'm not going to share that information with the public. But me and her, we dated for over a year. And we were together for so long that we both talked about getting married. We talked about, oh, what kind of house do we want to have? We want to talk about how many kids we want. We want to talk about what we want to do when we were older. We want to talk about um, having horses and taking care of a ranch. And, and we had all these big ideas about how beautiful our life was going to be because we were together for so long. And it was to the point that even I had teachers at our school that while we were walking by asked us, hey, when are you guys getting married? It was, it was crazy. I'm sorry, actually. No, no, no. It was uh, 100% happened. Um, it was our PE, one of the PE teachers. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, so but that's what I'm saying because we were together for so long that even the teachers at our school were like, dude, you guys, come on. Like, just go get married, bro. I'm. By the way, I was 17 at the time. So oh, I know. So, but anyways, so listen, listen, listen. So we had this idea that we're going to get married eventually. Other people around us were feeding us the same idea. Eventually, you guys are going to get married. And we made a grave, grave mistake. We, because we assumed eventually we're going to get married, we made the mistake of actually sleeping with each other before we got married. And unfortunately, she and I, overcome by our desires and getting caught up in our emotions by the time we had been dating for six months we ended up sleeping with each other we had sex before marriage and I know that it's a little bit heavy to hear that and I know it's kind of awkward talking about all this guys but I want you guys to understand that it's so so easy to get caught up in your emotions and confuse a long-term dating relationship with also the benefits of a marriage. 
And God created marriage and sex to be something that's enjoyed, not to be something that's not enjoyed. It's supposed to be a good, beautiful thing, but it's meant to be enjoyed within a marriage context. Because when you do that action with somebody, you're allowed to enjoy that and share that with that person. There's a lot of safety in that for a lot of reasons, <coughs> literally physical, healthy things. But also there's a spiritual element to that. And unfortunately, I had that time taken away from me. And she and I lost something that we could never, ever get back. And it, it, it's not something that, um, you know, it's not something I'm proud of at all. It's something that I, I wish I would have never done. But I want you guys to know how easy it is to go get to that place. Because guess what? She and I went to church together. She and I talked about God. I, I bought her a Bible and brought her to my church, and she was a part of my youth group. And I went to church every youth group I could. And that didn't stop me from giving in to my own desires because I got caught up in my emotions. I got caught up in the commitment that I had to this person and I confused a dating relationship with what a marriage was. And obviously, as you guys know, I'm not married to her. <laughs> she and I did not end up together. And now I'm married to someone else and have a wife that I love very dearly. Not to mention a kid on the way. Not to mention a kid on the way. But guess what? When I first met Rachel, I had to tell her, hey, I made that choice with somebody else a long time ago. And that's a hard thing to have to tell your partner. And it's not to say that that's like an unforgivable thing. God still has grace for us. And guess what? Rachel was very glad to acknowledge that that happened, but also was like she recognized that that was a part of my past. That was a past decision. That wasn't defining who I was then. But I wanted her to have to know because I can't just hide that from her, right? And it's something that I still have to live with today. And it was a mistake born out of me confusing what dating and marriage is. And also forgetting my commitment to God above my commitment to who I was dating. Without Christ as a unifying factor in a relationship, in any relationship, it's going to be strained. And marriage really isn't complete whenever we don't have Christ at the center of it. And that's what this passage is talking about when it's talking about do not be yoked with an unbeliever. It's saying if one person in the relationship loves Jesus and the other and that person who loves Jesus wants to live their life for him and the other person doesn't, it's going to cause a little bit of tension, right? It's going to be an imbalance of things. One person's going to be leaning one way and their mind is going to be influenced this way. And the other person is going to be leaning the other. And it's not going to be unified in the direction that they're going. If you're date, let's say you're dating somebody. And they're, they don't have a relationship with God. And let's say they want to you know, act a certain way or do certain things. And you're like, hey, as a Christian, I don't want to do that. But they're like, okay, cool. You don't have to do that. I'm going to go do that. And there's a part of their life that they're living that you're not silly joining in on. So there's a form of separation. You're not even able to do all the things they're able to do. And they may not want to do all the things that you want to do. 
they may not want to come to church or they may not want to do other things, you know? And so there's a little bit of separation that is kind of built up naturally. But even more so when you think about, you know, hey, maybe they want to take things farther physically because they don't have any issues with that. But you as a Christian say, I don't want to do that. And they say, well, why not? It's like, because I have a commitment to the Lord. I don't want to do that before I'm married. And they're like, well, what the heck? And you're talking about a difference of opinions. That's a big imbalance, right? <laughs> it's, it's hard to move past something that big because one person has a mindset that isn't of the Lord and the other is. It's a huge imbalance that comes across. So that's why it says, do not be united with them. But it's also important to know, and I want to clarify that that passage when I was talking about do not be yoked with an unbeliever, it is talking about marriage. It's not talking about just dating. So, because again, we look about what is the Bible in the context of what that's saying. It's saying marriage. <laughs> it's not saying don't hang out with an unbeliever. It's also not even saying don't date an unbeliever, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But it's saying don't marry a non-believer because it's like mixing oil with water. All right? So we're going to have a little demonstration here. All right? All right, okay. Yeah, we are going to do a demonstration, okay? So I'm just going to illustrate the, the purpose of what I'm trying to say and the reason behind what I'm saying, okay? So I actually didn't need a fourth cup, but thank you, Henry. Um, so in this little jar, we're going to have some, we're going to have some water, okay? You can see the water? It's cleared up? Yeah, Ben, you can move. It's fine. You can get up and whatever. So you see the water, right? All right, so I'm going to put a little bit of oil in here, okay? So we're going to have just the water. Let's say that's a believer, okay? And the oil is a non-believer, all right? So they're there, all right? But guess what? But hey, they're, they're united together in the same container, right? They're in a marriage together. But if you look, that oil is kind of sitting on top of that. They're not fully integrated together. And guess what? Oil and water don't ever fully mix together. You have to get rid of one or the other. Or they're just going to be sitting next to each other. They're still going to be together, right? They're in the same container. They're filling up in the same crevices, but they're doing it in a different way. By the way, they're displacing each other because they're different densities, which is another scientific thing. But also, on top of that, it's pretty easy to separate this. If I had a spoon, I could just spoon out all the oil and I could separate it really quickly. It's not, it's not hard to separate those things because they naturally don't fully mix. They might be in the same container together, but they're not fully unified in what they're doing. Now, in this container, I have one cup of water. There you go. Fully fills it up, right? And this thing, I have another cup of water. I spilled some water on my phone. Doing great. All right. It's all good. All right. So let me let me ask you guys. Who can get all the droplets of water from this one cup back out real quick? Who can do that for me? You can? Wait, what? So, so the water I poured from in here, get all the things out of there. You physically cannot do it. Technically, you can't because guess what? The water molecules, instead of being separated... Water just mixes with more water. Right. The water molecules just become all intertwined. Mm -hmm. And this is the picture of marriage that God has for us. Is that when we're with a believer, we're able to be fully integrated with one another to where there's no separation. And not only in heart, 
in our desires, but also in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit. Because not only do we have an affection and a relationship for each other, but it is Christ that unifies us to make us inseparable. We are united fully in every way. And that's what the Bible emphasizes so much about being married to a believer and not a non-believer. Now, I also want to emphasize, and I I want to be fair, there are parts in the Bible where it does talk about people that are non-believers getting married, and then later on, one of them becomes a believer. They actually come to faith later on, and they're married to a non-believer. And the Bible says, if you're able to, and if that partner is willing, stay with that partner. The Bible doesn't want us, God doesn't want us, to actually get divorced if we can help it. Because divorce is an ugly thing. Divorce is a horrible thing. And so it's talked about even whenever, if you, if someone was a non-believer and came to believe in Christ, if their partner is willing to, they should stay with them. But if their partner says, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore, that, that believer shouldn't fight them. They should say, hey, that's okay, you can go. Because it, it'd be better to let them go in peace than to fight and force someone to stay in a relationship they don't want to be in. But as Christians, uh, there's a lot of Christians that also want to get divorced too. A lot of Christians do. But as Christians, we're called to appeal to Christ as our mediator. To, to help Him to be the one who unifies us whenever we're struggling with things. And that's the difference between a believer and a non-believer getting married. And two believers getting married is the fact that they can have Christ as this central piece that they can both lean on and look to for strength and also for clarity and wisdom in how they live their life. And actually, believe it or not, I actually know somebody in my life that had that exact, exact experience. My chemistry teacher, Miss Mahog, by the way, I used to call her Miss Mahog. She was amazing. Um, she's a crazy lady, absolutely out of her mind. Um, she's retired now. Uh, I, I love her to death. Um, she actually moved up to Washington when I was uh, a senior in high school. It was really cool. But anyways, um, she, she retired up there. But she became a believer whenever she was in her 40s or 50s, so way later in her life. And so she told me her story of whenever she actually came to know the Lord and put her faith in Christ. She was laying in her bed, and obviously she's a chemist, so she's very you know, brainiac-minded. And she said, energy can um, flow into an object, right? Energy can exist inside of an object. That's a law of physics, right? So even though it's not like a... You're like, energy is this ball right here. No, energy can live and exist inside of other matter beings. So it's some kind of weird thing that happens. But she said, God, if you're real, and if you are like a spiritual energy, and I'm a vessel, if you're real, I want you to fill me with your energy. Fill me with you. And she felt the Holy Spirit come inside of her, and she was like, oh my gosh. And she actually came to know the Lord. And she like, she fully like surrendered and the Holy Spirit came upon her and she like was saved. It was, she was just laying down in her bed. It was this miraculous, amazing moment in her life. But guess what? Her husband wasn't a believer. And for 15 years, he still wasn't a believer. And when I met her, he still wasn't a believer. But they stayed married because he was willing to live with her as a believer and she lived out her faith to him. She was bold about that. 
And so it's not unheard of for that to happen. But they were both unbelievers at the time. There's a little bit of a difference there. So I do want to be fair, but I, I just want to point that out that, that is something that the Bible does talk about and that actually does happen. So you might be thinking, okay, the Bible says marriage is limited to believers you know, together, right? But what about dating non-believers? How's that going to work out? And I'll tell you, if you thought about or if you think about, hey, I'm not marrying this person, so if I'm not marrying them, I can date them. But I'll tell you, biblically, you have every right to do that. I'm not going to tell you that you can't. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you should, <laughs> because again, if we think about the biblical principles about how we should live our life, dating leads to marriage. That is, that is the end result of that. As dating progresses, it builds up and builds up and builds up. It builds up to the, a big commitment, a lifelong commitment of being husband and wife. So dating leads to marriage. So if you're dating a non-believer and it progresses far enough, eventually you're going to want to be married to that person. And if you wanted to do that, you have the right to, but it's not going to be necessarily what God designed for us. It's going to be more of what you're wanting and more of kind of following where the relationship is going and maybe not where God wants it to go. And it's the same thing with our dating relationships as well. You can date somebody who is a non-believer, and you can hope that eventually they come to faith. That's what we call missionary dating. It's dating them with a the hope that eventually they share the same faith as you. But like we talked about last week, we cannot change somebody's heart, right? Just because I'm dating somebody and I love the Lord doesn't mean that person is going to love the Lord. Because I can't make them love God. And just because I love Jesus around them doesn't mean they're going to love Jesus just like I do. <laughs> And I'll tell you, there's people that might be non-believers that are really cute, that might be really handsome, they might be super attractive, and they might also have the best personality in the whole world, they might be super funny, and they might be the most caring, loving person that you've ever met, and they might also get you better than anybody else. But if they're a non-believer, there's always going to be that one piece. There's always going to be that separation. They might be everything you want them to be, but they don't have the same relationship that you do with God. And that's always going to be a separation. You can't really get around that. Now, can you work through that? Maybe. Is it recommended? No. Does God want that for us? No. But we have to realize that when we're thinking about marriage and dating, we have to apply biblical ideas and biblical wisdom to all the things that we're doing. And yeah, it's kind of awkward and a lot, it's a long conversation. It's kind of long and intense. But when we're thinking about dating and all these different things, we have to understand that we can be excited about marriage and we can be excited about dating. Those things are exciting and fun, right? I mean, whenever I like got to start dating Rachel, it was amazing. <laughs> and we got to talk all the time and share our lives together. I mean, she lived on the other side of the world. She was in Scotland and I was in California. Um, but we got to share our lives together a little bit. <laughs> and we got to get to know each other really well. And it wasn't necessarily about us being physically near each other, but it was our relationship with God and it was our communication. That's literally all we had. And... The Lord, and there's a long story between she and I, but um, 
I'll share with you guys later. But um, long story short, we can look forward to dating and we can look forward to marriage, but we have to do so with a biblical idea. And we have to do so remembering that our love for God should be the first thing and the thing that we use in all of our decisions, in all of our life. That includes who we date and also includes how we date. And also eventually leads into our marriages as well. But even if you don't have anybody you're dating or you don't want to date or you don't, marriage is even on your mind, you can also still love and care for people around you. Because guess what? We all love and appreciate love. We love to love and we love to receive love. We like to be talking about those five love languages. We can always show love and affection and care, not only for a romantic relationship, but for our friends, for our family, for our pets, and also even to God. We can show love for God and grow our relationship with Him, and He's the one who satisfies us more than anybody else. Cool? All right, let's pray. Father God, um, I just thank you. Um, I thank you that you gave us the ability and blessing to love. <laughs> Not only that we get to give love, we also get to receive love. And we love that. <laughs> Lord, it's your love that guides us. It's your love that we want to permeate our lives. We want your love to be the supreme thing that guides our decisions. And it's out of that love for you that we pray that we would be humble and listening to what you have for us. Um, God, sometimes we really care for somebody and sometimes they're really hot. <laughs> but Lord, um, we know that looks are temporary and people change throughout the years, but we know that you don't change and a relationship based in you will have a strong foundation, one that we can stand on forever. So Jesus, I pray that you would help us to use biblical wisdom, your godly wisdom in all things that we do, whether that be how we treat and talk and interact with our friends, whether that be thinking about dating relationships, or even just how we can better love other people around us, and how we even ourselves receive love from others. God, speak to us. Guide us. And Lord, I pray that we would be protected from our own desires and our own comforts and that we wouldn't sacrifice our relationship with you for our comforts. God, let us put everything we have at your feet and follow you as you guide us in what to do and how to do it. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. And there you have it, guys. That is our special Valentine's Day message. Um, hope you guys can learn something, whether it be about what is love, uh, what biblical marriage looks like, uh, how to prioritize God in all the years of your life, or just understanding what it means um, when the Bible talks about marriage and relationships between believers and non-believers, and what that looks like, and how we're supposed to go about that. So a lot that we covered, a uh, long message, but hope you guys all got something out of it, and hope you all have a good day, evening, weekend, morning, Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're at, hope you're doing well and you stay blessed.